The I Am Man podcast is produced by men for men. We are here to support men through their individual journeys to authentic and holistic manhood. We believe men play an essential role in securing the future of generations and deserve to be seen and heard. Our podcast is a safe space where men from all walks of life can come and process through life's challenges to become the best versions of themselves. deal with the the trauma of um, not being supported, not being believed. Um, I mean, it was hard. It was so hard and it's still hard to this day. This just happened, you know, five years, it's only been five years. And so I've been in this going diligently, doing this work diligently because I did not have the support. I did not have anybody available to me. I didn't have a blueprint. I, I couldn't look to find anybody that had gone through what I had gone through and had come out mm. and had been okay, you know, and that wasn't crazy. That wasn't addicted to drugs. That wasn't um, addicted to sex. You know, I couldn't find anybody that was whole that had gone through what I had gone through. So I told, I asked God to transform me into the person that I wanted, that I needed. And so that is what God is doing with my life. He has transformed me to be the blueprint and the example of hope for other people. So I believe that people have a hard time or women have a hard time disclosing because they have no clue what they're going to get once they do disclose. It's like people tell you all day long. It's like walking to the edge of a cliff. You have a community of people pushing you to the cliff. They say, jump, you can do it. You can do it, but they won't jump with you. You'll jump and you're by yourself and you're looking up and everybody that, that told you you could do it, they left you hanging. Like we don't need people to push us off the cliff. We need people to jump with us, mm. you know? And so that's why we have to build a community of support. And we have to really, um, when we say that we love people, we really have to love them no matter what's going on. And that goes for like my father as well. Like I love that man, you know, regardless of what he did to me, I hated what he did to me. It confused me. It impacted my life and it shaped my life in a way that I never thought that God really had, didn't intend for it to be shaped that way. But God was like, I can still use it you know, for your good. And I can still use it to benefit other people. But I love my father. I love my mother. I love my brothers, even though they hate me. I love them. And I have learned from this very dark and this very ugly place of rejection and abandonment, how to love people without the expectation of it being reciprocated. And once you learn how to love people without without any type of regard for yourself or without any type of regard for how you get it back, you can change the world by doing that. And so I've been in a space where I have learned how to, I've, I've, I ain't gonna say I mastered it, but I have learned how to love and care well for people, regardless of the way that they love me back. Well, uh, my, drop mic. Um, and and, and I, I have a saying that sometimes you have to accept the, the apologies that you'll never get. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to accept the apologies that you'll never get. Man, Chris, yeah. you said some key things, Ashley, that I really want Chris to highlight on. We've had some conversations in our podcast about, you know, life after incarceration. And she said something that people are looking for somebody who that they can talk to. And I remember, Chris, we having a conversation about men who experience uh, sexual trauma 
in prison. Yo, this is a statistic. 68,000 people in prison experience sexual trauma on a yearly basis. Six. No, y'all. Did y'all hear me? Is this mic on? 68,000 people incarcerated experience sexual trauma. And I'll lay this framework as I understood it. When men who experience sexual trauma in prison or maybe they see it, maybe they're directly not a victim or they're around it. Chris just talking about hearing a men's a man scream, not because he's being beat, not because he's getting stabbed, but because he's being sexually violated, screaming and nobody's going to help him. Right. Mm -hmm. What I understood it where what um, is that men can have whole relationships or be have these experiences in prison and then get out in prison. Chris, you could probably talk to it better than I can. Um, so I'm, a, I'm, I ain't going to do it, Justin. I'm going to let you do yeah. it. So you so we talked, so we talked about men who experience this stuff in prison, but then get out of prison and go and assume, try to assume a normal life or a normal relationship with the woman that they left or another woman uh, that they are. And even sometimes a man that they've probably been in a relationship with, but still have not processed their trauma. And maybe for a heterosexual man who either engaged in sex, same sex relations in prison um, or got turned out because and Chris was talking about you have different generations. And I think Alex talked about this. You have different generations of people who are in prison. You have people who are there for life. You got people who are serving, you know, mid sized sentences. And then you got the younger ones who are kind of constantly in and out. And oftentimes the one the the guys who are there the old who are just going to be there they know how to in they know how to basically persuade and trick the younger guys into performing sexual acts for favor for commissary for whatever they may need um and chris i really want you to take this because you can talk to it a lot better than i can uh, um, I, I can i can touch it uh so for someone like myself for a, a substantial amount of time i served a little over half of a decade. So I got to see and hear a lot. Um, if you, if you listen, uh, so for some guys like you were just expounding on, you're actually right. Even just to paint a different picture for those that might not really catch the gist of this, the state of North Carolina holds roughly between 42 and 45,000 inmates just in this state alone. So if he's, if, if the statistics is, is, is that Robert is sharing with you guys is 68,000, that means every man, that just went in and woman and went into the system here in North Carolina, just got violated. Every, every last one of them. If we hold, so just imagine the gist of the brothers of the 50 states. Just imagine that, that somebody's uncle, somebody's father, somebody's niece just been violated. Just been, if it's a crime happening every 10 seconds throughout the United States of America, then just, just imagine the crime that's happening in the institution where they're going to be and serve their time or what just happened. So there's a trauma that serves. There's a trauma. There's a trauma that serves within our, our community, Robert. And I believe to attest to what you're saying, why men are silent. I think, I think they're, they're speaking. I think their silence is them speaking. That's what I believe. I believe that our, our silence is our, is our, is, is our conversation. What we're looking for, are you keen enough to hear? Mm. Mm. You hear my silence. 
because I'm not to a place where I can articulate what, what has happened and the process of my being me being traumatized. Are you keen enough to where, are you that supportive enough to where this means so much to you like you're sharing or, or as we're sharing on this live today? Can we hear these brothers, can we hear these brothers' cries? Because men are screaming at the top of their at the top of their voice. And the little Chris inside of all of us, the little Robert, the little Ashley inside of us is kicking and screaming. But the testosterone of us of being strong and keep your mouth shut and remain, look, remain encouraged is on top of that person as we walk around saying we're blessed and highly favored and I'm having a great day and life is going to be joyous. And we walk ourselves to the altar, marrying him or marrying her with this little boy kicking and screaming that we never got a chance to expound on the trauma that we're dealing with. So I'm marrying Ashley. I'm marrying, she's marrying Robert and they got to deal with the trauma that we, that we never allowed to be expressed. Mm. Uh, this platform, I believe, is is a greater of an opportunity. If not, it's a page turn in my in my life because I think this is a place of us being able to open up to be able to, to reach the hand out and say, "Man, here's a platform." But but we're asking them to come onto the platform to share a story that they won't even share with themselves. I'm not about to share with the bros on the street corner that I was. No, I'm not. Mm. You crazy? I have a reputation to hold, just like Sister So and So, Sister Stacy Adams, and Brother Big Hat in church did. You think Pastor and Apostle? You think your bro from the street corner and old girl from Facebook and IG about to share with her followers that she was violated? You think after all that Mary Kay lipstick and after all those short skirts and high heels that she's about to expound to the world that she was violated? So first, it also comes within ourselves that we got to be at a place of brokenness. Mm-hmm. I'm actually tired of what I'm dealing with and been traumatized with and been processed with that I do want to get free from this this demon to where I am at a place to where I need to be set free. If not, I'm going to go through life and go through the emotions like everything's all right and hope that a savior comes along that is man enough or woman enough that can help me process the being traumatized. <sighs> Drops mic again. <sighs> It just it happened to me. So that's, I think that's why I said it so passionately. Let me revert that. Because it happened to me. And I didn't get the support or the help. And I had to relapse. I had to go through stuff. I had to find a bourbon. I had to find uh, uh, a cigarette. I had to find something because I didn't know how to process what I was dealing with. And so I stayed up late nights riding around in my car in three, four o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out what the heck is this? Like, how do I share this with somebody without my reputation being ruined? But then I realized, I ain't, Robert, I ain't even got a reputation. <laughs> I ain't nobody. Who would I be? <laughs> Listen, catch this. Who would I be? And somebody said, we, I know that's right, girl. I'm up, I OZ all day. Who would I be without Facebook? Who would you be without Instagram? Who would you? you just another name in the yellow pages. We ain't nobody. So when I had got to a place to realize that God is you that has built me just to the point to where I am today, this is your yeah. God. I'm yours. Then what am I trying to save on to? The scripture says, for he who or tries to lose his soul gains the work, gains everything. For those who try to keep keep their soul, try to be greedy, try to gain the world's possessions, those are the ones that lose their own soul. And then even just much of a spiritual standpoint, bro, that's our mental. 
That's our mental, our insanity, our emotions, our spiritual, our physicality. That's everything within a nutshell that scripture founds on because we're trying to save on to something, man, that you never built in the first place. My relationship with Christ even got me this far where I am today. So who am I to even try to save on a repertoire of this flesh that is cruel to the world, that is cruel to mess up, that is subject for failures and disappointments? Why am I trying to sabotage something that can't even sabotage itself? So when I got to that point, that's when reality struck for Chris. That man, I don't care what they know about me. I I, I tell you my story. Right. I, I let me beat you to the point before they they yeah. what you can really get transparently from me because I want to give it. I want I want to give it to you from my mouth and not what so and so said. Let me show you my story and you're going to get the transparency because I realized over the years, Robert and Ashley, that the more and more I shared my story and the rawness of it, the freer I get. Yeah. And the freer I got, the more the yeah. more loose I got, the more happy I was. And it was weight that was lifted off my body, off my mental, off my emotional. I'm like, well, dog, I got so used to it. I was so happy to share my story that I was ashamed of years ago. Yeah. I said, yeah, I'll share my story. Why not? Because I'm at a place of freedom to where, you know what? I'm so free in this thing. I'll be yeah. glad. I'd be glad to tell somebody my story. I don't care. Yeah, I was ashamed. I regret some things I did. I'm sorry for the people that I hurt. But you know what? It made me the better man that I am today because I can help somebody else along the way that are struggling in the ins and outs and the challenges that we've all faced and that we're facing today. Yeah, why men are silent? No, they're not. They're speaking. It's can we hear them? Mm. And you know what, Chris? This is one of the reasons why I even started because I started seeing stories Man abused this person, man abused this person, man abused this person, preacher. And that thing, from my experience, I saw it through a different lens. These were men. I didn't see. Sometimes we can see the the what the man does, but what the man like what the, or how they offend somebody and not realizing what they did, what they did or what they were doing was a cry for help. So people are crying for help all the time. All the time they're crying for help. Right. And I think and I think for me, um, one of the reasons why I stayed silent for so long, number one, as a single man, was because at the age of 16, I'll never forget. I was working. I was sharing with my pastor at the time what had happened to me. And my this was my pastor's at the time, my his best friend. Um, um, I was a member of, during that time of One Body Christian Fellowship Church. And I told my pastor what happened. And during that time, my pastor went back to his friend and told him what I said. Unbeknownst to me, the guy shows up with him and two other guys at my job. And they said to me, I heard I never forget. He said, yo, I heard you've been, you know, spreading rumors about me. You've been lying on me. Keep my name out of your mouth. Like that whole that whole thing. Keep my name out of your mouth. Don't say nothing. Um, if you do, I know how to find you. You know, I know where you live. Like you ain't you know, like ain't nobody on that gate. Sh- That's exactly what he said. And I'm thinking. And so for me, my power was stripped. My voice was stripped at that time. And I knew that if I wanted to live or if I wasn't going to be beat somewhere, that I should keep my mouth shut. And so that was number one. That was one layer. Number two. Now, mind you, he still was having sex with me after that. Mind you. So 
after like when I after a while I came out as you know gay to my family whatever and after my life got kind of totally re like I had an encounter with God like and my life totally changed whatnot my I didn't you know I had lived past the stigma you know I'm married with kids now and a wife so I'm not the I ain't gay no more guy like I'm I'm no longer that guy I got kids I have a wife I got family like for me I am normal now. People can see me as normal. They don't see the other guy. They see Rob, who's the husband, who's the father, who's the educator. Um, And what happened was um, I didn't want to tell my story and I didn't feel the need to because I wanted to protect my wife. And I'm talking to some brother out here right now who is married and you ain't said a word. Because I didn't want to embarrass my wife. I didn't want to embarrass my children because I have to realize in this digital age, whatever I put out here is going to be out here for eternity, for the most part, from what we know right now. Um, And it can go anywhere. But I didn't want my wife's family to look at her crazy. Like, who are you like? Why? Why? Why are you with this guy? And so but my wife, to be honest, was my biggest pusher. She was like, yo, Rob, no, you need to tell your story. Like you need to, matter of fact, she started creating the branding material for me to begin the process. And she's, she's been my biggest supporter. Like, no, you need to tell your story. And she said to me, this is what you were made for. I didn't want to say anything. Another third thing, because I didn't want my reputation. I felt like I had built my name up to be the next big preacher wonder. Like that's where I, that's what my goal was. My branding was right. My videos was right. I was just being introduced in some of the big platforms and whatever. And I'm like, man, I'm finally like my itinerary was booming. And the Lord pulled me to the side and said, yo, I need you to tell your story. And I said to God, I said, bro, like this is how I really talked to God. I was like, dude, like, like, no, I'm not doing that. Like I've worked. I, I said this to God. I said, God, I have worked hard to build my reputation up to this point. And I went back and forth with God for about maybe a whole week. And God took a tone with me and was like, do what I said, do and walked away. And like, and that was the end of the conversation. And I knew at that moment that it like God takes a tone with you where you like, where, you know, like you like, mm-hmm. like, bro, you, you know. And so then I started sharing my story. And as I started sharing my story, more doors started opening up. Healing started to happen. Like for me and for other men, I could um, like, yo, I at least had 50 to 75 inboxes the first time I shared my story. I started doing events, Ashley. I had 90 men show up that I did not know. White men, gay men, Hispanic men, homosexual, like, like, like everybody that I did not know started showing up to these events. And due to COVID, it got changed. But like I was supposed to be doing a tour in Atlanta. We still going to do it. Yo, and I might be bringing Ashley and Chris on this tour with me next time when we can 
where we can roll Atlanta, out. Atlanta, right down the street. Let's L- go. Listen, uh, we were supposed to be in Atlanta. We were supposed to be in Texas. We were supposed to be in Cali. We were supposed to be in New York. And the dates and the seats were starting to fill up. We were in Miami as well. And stuff was starting oh. to fill up. And COVID changed it. And maybe in God's sovereignty, he was waiting. Like, I needed a team. I needed a crew that we could do this stuff together. Um, but I, I kept silent because I was afraid. I was afraid. And that's at the core why a lot of people do stay silent. We've we've been on here for an hour and 25 minutes. Um, it doesn't ever seem as long as it is. But I want let's give some practical steps for um, for how people can move toward wholeness. One of my uh, friends, uh, he's a therapist, he's a pastor as well. Um and his name is uh, Joshua. Um, I can't recall his last name right now, but uh, Joshua Smith, I believe his name is. We did a uh, live conversation one day, one day and I've taken this and ran with it. He said it out of his mouth and I don't even know if he realized what he said. He said, healing is the journey, but wholeness is the destination. And this has become the crux, my motto. This has come, like, this has become my thing, my mantra. Healing is the journey wholeness is the destination the truth is many of after all that we've said and all the people we impact neither one of us has said definitively i have arrived i am good the truth is healing begins when you start committing to the journey of reaching a place of wholeness and the thing is you will forever or you will be on this journey. You will forever be on this journey of evolving, of becoming better. Like what triggered me yeah. yesterday, don't they don't trigger me as much today. You feel me? Like I like the smell of certain cologne, it doesn't trigger me anymore. A certain music doesn't trigger me anymore. Healing takes steps. And I think the misconception is a lot of times, Ashley and Chris, is that people can go to the altar or people, you know, can and they can shout it away or they can cry it away or they can pray it away or they can talk it in tongues away. And the truth is that ain't how this work. Right. No, it takes intentionally pursuing your wholeness intentionally pursuing. And I want, and y'all know I'm writing a book um, and I want to drop some stuff, some key things that I want people to know. Um, if you were that have been sexually abused, there's eight things really quick. I want you to know, and I want you guys to comment on them. Number one, whether you're male or woman, you are not alone. You are not alone. Second thing I want you to know that it is not your fault. Amen. That's good. It's not your fault. Number three, your pain Regardless of what anybody thinks about your story, how it happened, when it happened, why it happened, your pain is real. And I want you to tell you, we see you. Mm. Number four, all your feelings associated with your pain are real as well. You don't have to hide them. You don't have to rationalize them. They're real. Fifth thing, to begin this journey, you need to find someone you can talk to. And I would say find a therapist that you can talk to. And I'm going to let them kind of help, like, let you know, like, 
find someone to talk to. I want you to know all too that there is help. You are not the only person that has experienced this. You, it's not just on you. You're, this is not just. In, this is not just on you. It's not on you. There is help out there. There are people who are trained to help you. And the truth is, some people who experience this in church, like I, I said, when people tell me they get a counselor, I say, did you get a church counselor or you got a real one? Like, like there is a difference. And sometimes people in church can't handle the weight of what you've been through. Yep. So go find yeah. you somebody. And I want to tell you, most insurances, especially in the pandemic, if your excuse is you can't afford it, most insurances now cover for therapy. Sure. Yeah. Number seven, that it's not your fault. It's not God's fault. And God loves you as you are mm-hmm. and where you are. You don't have to pretty yourself up. You ain't got to try to make it look pretty. You ain't got to try to package it a certain way. He loves you as you are. And he says, come as you are. The eighth thing you can and will heal. Yeah. Go ahead, guys. I'll let y'all take it. Uh, Well, to add, uh, I mean, what you just shared is absolutely um, it is so good. And um, and they're practical um, steps. And I think that um, one of the things that I would share is that give yourself if you've experienced it, give yourself grace mm. to go through the journey to, to fully go through the journey. Um, we live in a day and age where we feel like there is a certain time frame in which we're supposed to achieve a certain thing because we're all very goal oriented and healing. Um, like it, it's a goal, you know, but it is not a goal that you can put a specific date on because you just can't do that. Um, and so I, I give yourself grace to experience this journey fully. Um, give yourself an opportunity to feel exactly what you feel. I've been listening to um, this new album called Feelings um, by Chandler Moore. And on this entire album, he's just talking about our feelings and what we feel and how God is not rushing us to get to a certain place. He's not rushing us to get out of a certain feeling or a certain emotion. Like it's okay for, it's okay to not be okay. You know, and I don't think that that we we really tell people that enough. Like if you're not good, it's okay. Like it's okay for you to be sad today. It's okay for you to not feel, you know, joyful and happy. And it's okay. It is okay for you to not be okay. So give yourself grace while you're going through this journey and embrace what you are feeling. Be honest with yourself. I'm not feeling it today. Um, I got triggered, you know, and all the work that I've been doing over the the past five years, um, I thought like, you know, well, this certain thing doesn't trigger me anymore. But I got triggered on um, on another app on Clubhouse. And the, the way I got triggered was, in a, it was a new trigger. <laughs> it was a new trigger. Um, I was on there and, and it was like a welcome uh, party for um, Pastor John P. Key. So because I grew up, uh, Chris, I don't know if you knew this or not, but I grew up in Charlotte. And so because I was in 
that community, I saw the work that Pastor Key did in the community. Of course, he's the great, you know, John P. Key, but I, the pastor and the community leader, I got to see that firsthand. So I, I spoke and I just commended him on the work that he's been doing in the community. I told, identified who I was, you know, as far as who my dad was. And John P. Key began to speak so well of my father and practically said that he stood on the shoulders of my father and the work that he did in that community, you know? And so I got triggered because, um, not because I want people to be angry at my dad or dislike him. You know, I want people to, 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 to maintain their thoughts about somebody who meant something to them. Keep that same energy about that person because that was your unique experience. But to hear all of the good that he had done for so many influential people. When I got off of that call, I cried my eyes out and I went back to where I was five years ago when my dad died. And I said, God, was this my fault? Could I have disclosed a different way? Should I have done it differently? You know, I began to retrace my steps and began to rethink, like, did I do this right? Back to where I was five years ago, because someone reminded me of how good of a person Mm. my father was to them. You know, so as we continue to heal, we may not be triggered by those things that used to trigger us, but there may be new ones that come along. So give yourself grace and give yourself patience to be able to go through this journey. So that's that's what I'll add. Yo, the truth is, Ashley. I didn't get triggered until I saw a picture of him. Mm. I saw a picture. I saw a picture or whenever I started seeing pictures, I started getting angry. I like because it was like out of all people, why me? You know, like. Yeah. And and I know that I'm sitting here now and I'm able to have these stories with these share these stories and help so many people. And if this is helping y'all, I need y'all to do me a favor. I need you guys to 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 give hearts and comment. Um, this is and just send a comment that this is helping you. Let us know that this is helping you. It takes a lot of energy and a lot of strength to get on platforms to stand in front of anybody and disclose information that you've never told before. And especially for the and this is one of the thing that my mentor was on here earlier and he he, he said some words. Um, I realized that I got a lot of replay. I get a lot more replays than I do people who actually join live because once a person joins live, anybody can see that they've been on. And a lot of people don't even want to be associated with the conversation. So they won't say anything live. They won't even reply live because of the stigma and the shame that they may be feeling within themselves. But they'll watch the replay in person like with themselves yo bro you ain't got to treat this like you treat porn you don't have to do it behind closed doors yeah you can heal that's the way you can come live you can come live like your abuse didn't happen between you you weren't the cause of it yeah and i say this all the time it's not your fault what happened to you but it is your responsibility to pursue healing for yourself yeah it is your responsibility because the truth is nobody's going to do it for you. And I want to talk to brothers out here. Like one of the things that I know that keeps men from saying anything is shame. 
is shame. And um, shame is like a prison that you have the key to to get out of. But because Mm -hmm. it bullies you and speaks lies to you, you decide and you decide to stay incarcerated within yourself because you feel like you deserved it. Mm. Wow. And you don't deserve it. It's not on you, bro. Is let me say this: It's not on you, but you do have to pursue your healing, and it takes a real man to say, "Yo, I'm hurting," and not mask your pain, or try to drown it out in alcohol, or sex, or drugs, or women, yeah. or men, or stuff, or substances. Yeah. Yo, you can heal. You can you can be whole. Yo, I'm excited. Is there anything y'all want to, you know, you you want to say before we one last point. Go ahead. Y'all can have, you hit home for me. I just want to share this really with your people. I don't know if you guys said anything on specifically forgiveness, but I want to share something if you don't mind. I don't real mind. quick. You hit you said something that triggered something that's triggered a story, but there it is. But I want to share just taking a story first. Cause this was going to help you guys. It's going to help all of us. My more, I'm more of a, I'm a, I think ahead. I'm a chess player. So I'm always, I'm, I'm a fast forward thinker. I'm like, what's the next conversation? How do I move forward from, all right, I'm here. You guys have fed me. You guys done, y'all got me strong. How do I move forward and apply what I, uh, I'm hearing? There's a story in the Bible with David and Bathsheba. I know all y'all love that story. Everybody know that story. David, he did what Bathsheba, he did. He, he really did. But the scripture does still tell us he was a man of God's own heart. And here's why. Here's what, we, here's what we're missing, but here's where your attention got distracted from. You're worrying about Bathsheba. It's also the punishment and the consequences of David's action that God had to recompense. So he tells David, the sword will be in your house forever, in, your, in the death of your first child, right? So when the child is dying, you're talking about shame and that we have the key to our own our own cages and we lock ourselves in because the enemy is telling us you can let yourself out, but everybody's going to know. So if you stay here, you're good. And so we stay put. The scripture tells us that while the family was out eating, David was in the back room. And he stayed back there for seven days and didn't say anything until the messenger came to him or the servant came to him and said, yo, the child is dead. David got up, didn't say a word. He washed his hands. He washed his face. He went and ate fried chicken and fried fish with the fam and went on about his day. It showed there's a picture right there that I want us all to catch. There's something right there that I want us all to really a psychologist suggests, psychologists teach us that uh, people tend to value memories more than the actual person. Sometimes you miss the memories, not the actual person. Here's my quote. Forgiveness is God's will. It's not our choice. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness at the expense of what you're willing to let go of. I'm going to say that again for the women in the back. Forgiveness is God's will. It's not your choice. Forgiveness comes at the expense of what you're willing to let go of. I want to share that with all of us here on this live, man. Those of you listening, those are going to catch this repeat later, replay later, is that for you to move on from where you are now, from this moment of transparency, from this moment of what you what you've been tormented with day and night, you're going to have to forgive. The forgiveness is not just according for them, but it's actually for your own good. Mm-hmm. If you want to pass these memories of what, what holds you up, what you've been dealing with, and what boggles your mind, it's the forgiveness of that. Lord, God, I want to forgive myself. 
Because like Robert just stated, Ashley just stated numerous of times, even throughout this show, that it's not your fault. It's okay for you not to be okay. We're not asking you to pick up a Bible and walk around and say, I'm healed tomorrow. It's not going to come that easy. Some of you, it may take two, three years. It may take five. It may take longer. But the whole point of what we want you to be on is on this process of walking in healing, walking in wholeness, walking to this moment of vulnerability. And there's going to be some moments to where you're going to have to be transparent and be open about that you don't feel comfortable with. But that's the stages of what freedom looks like to a place to where I can be like David and dance naked before these folk to a place of freedom to where I'm no longer shame. I have the key to my success. I have the key to my change. Uh, I have the key to my happiness, but I want to be able to share with you guys, man, to, in order for us to get to that place of, of being real tangent with ourselves and being real vulnerable, we're going to have to learn to just be able to walk into a place of true forgiveness. I'm done. I'm done for the day. Y'all. I love y'all. The truth is, we don't heal in isolation, but we heal in community. That's true. Yeah. That's good. We heal in community. Um, and also remember that recovery is about progression, not perfection. That's it. Yeah. It's about taking a day at a time. Um, and there are all kinds of people in the world that have different types of addictions. Um, but the truth is we all have pain. And we all look for ways to make that pain go away. Yeah. One way or another. You mm-hmm. can begin your journey to heal uh, to wholeness now. And it starts with one. Stop running away from your pain. Because as long as you run away from it. And as long as you try to sweep it under a rug. That rug is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until you got to deal with it. Come on. The truth yeah. is we have to learn. We have to start the journey to forgiveness. And I, I teach a workshop, Ashley, about dethroning, um, uh, devilifying your abusers. And I started teaching that for men because I realized, you know, most men like Marvel characters like I do, superheroes, whatnot. And I realized every superhero for every superhero, there's a supervillain. And oftentimes that villain, when you look at their story, I don't know if you guys saw the Joker recently, but when you look at their storyline, it's all the same. It's normally somebody who feels like they were overlooked or they were taken advantage of or they were dishonored, disrespected. They got a short end of a stick and they sought vengeance. And but from their angle, they thought that they were right for doing and they thought they were just for doing what they mm-hmm. did. I view the Joker so differently now from a kid to now when I seen that last movie. Yeah. I actually, I felt bad for him. I sympathized with him. I had empathy. And I didn't know my emotions, my emotions got so boggled from my childhood as I'm trying to relate to the villain with Joker to where I was questioning myself, was I wrong for feeling like this? Like whoever wrote the script did a great job, but I'm emotionally, I felt something, Robert. Like, yeah. Because, and I teach, the, and that's why I teach this workshop because when you start seeing life from your abuser's perspective, not justifying what they did, because there's no justifying that. Yeah. But for you, when you're able to see their pain and see their brokenness, and see their perspective, it makes 
forgiveness a little bit more palatable. Yeah. And you start dethroning them because the reason why, and this is the truth, and this is the truth, Ashley, and I know I might get some hate mail from this one. The truth is sometimes for us who have experienced sexual trauma, our abusers become idols. They become our idols and they don't deserve that seat in our lives. Right. Jesus. They don't deserve that seat. They don't deserve your energy. They don't deserve your worship. We, how do, what, what do you mean worship? Worshiping, constantly thinking about them, talking about them, uh, and, uh, and not adoring what's happening, but giving them the same amount of energy that we give to God or we give to our family, people who love us. We replay that stuff over in our head, over and over and over and over again, and replay it. Yeah. And we relive the trauma over and over again. And those people become idols to us, trying to figure out why and how and whatnot. Not saying we don't need the process, but they become idols for us. And we have the power to dethrone those idols. Yeah. Well, you preach. You said yeah. we you have know, the, some stuff. Well, you get some nerves. You, you, you got. Listen, bro. Listen, sis. You got to begin healing because they don't deserve your energy. They don't yeah. deserve any more time than what they've already taken from you. They don't deserve any more of your purpose than they've already taken from you. They don't deserve any more of your Lord Jesus. They don't deserve any more of your energy than they've already stolen from you. Dethrone them. Oh, somebody listening. I hope somebody listening. Dethrone them. And when you dethrone them, you really see behind every supervillain is a little boy or a little girl who's looking for help, looking to be understood, looking to be seen. And just because they were in a power of position or a power, a a place of power at that time, and you were the victim does not mean that they were that powerful. They had a moment. That's so good. That's so rapid in church with these pastors. They got chips on their shoulders. It's (sighs) rapid on social media. It's so rapid. And the people that we associate with, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, when I tell y'all that right there, what you just said, boy. And, and just, this is the workshop that I teach. And if you want us to come teach this workshop at your church or at your place, holler at me. I will teach it. And I'm sure yeah. Ashley got an array of stuff that she teaches as well. But let me let, let me tell y'all this, because I want to help people get free. And I'm not yeah. talking about church free. I'm talking about free where you're not where you're not where you're not beat down by the thoughts where you're not harassed by the thoughts. And let me talk to the real deep and spiritual people for a minute. These are bullies. These thoughts are bullies that bully you into silence, that bully you into being quiet, but bully you into reaching your purpose in church. We call them tormenting spirits. Mm. You living in torment. That's it. From a moment, dethrone that idol. And it makes it makes forgiveness, because remember, forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. Yeah. Because I can forgive, but I may I don't have to forget it. Forgiveness is for you. Somebody said, I remember Medea said that unforgiveness is like you drinking poison waiting for the other person to die. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nah, fam. This is about you, your life, so that you can become the best version of yourself. I'm going to check yeah. out on this one. When you, I'll, I'll say this. When you dethrone them, you see them for how small they really are, and it makes forgiveness for you more palatable. And then you stop suffering because the truth is pain in life is inevitable, but mm-hmm. suffering is optional. <laughs> Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And instead of saying, continue to saying that you're damaged or that you're broken, start declaring, I'm healed. I'm recovering. Come on. And I'm starting over. Lord have mercy. I feel my help here today. Like, if you can take control of your life you do not have to allow the pain of your past to dictate your future don't allow the pain to have keys to your destiny and some of you your pain is being held cap your future is being held captive by your pain your pain is dangling the keys to your best life Take you and I believe and I remember Chris said this. I'm I'm a loop it. Chris said most men who are in prison don't want anything to do with Jesus because or church, because if he couldn't find me while I was in hell, don't try to preach me into heaven. And I'm going to say this. One thing that I love about Jesus is that when he resurrected, the first thing that he did, he didn't go to a he did he didn't go many places. But the one thing place that was on his journey to go, he went to hell. To take back keys. And that shows me if Jesus can go into hell to take back the keys for me, you can go back into your hell, take the keys, take your power and open the door to who you were always supposed to be. It's not too late to be who you should have been. As long as you got breath in your body and you're willing to put in the work, healing is possible. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, you talked about um, the forgiveness piece. And I also want to um, not to steer us too far away as we close. But I also want to recognize that forgiveness is not just um, available to us. Um, And it's also available to those who have abused us. Yeah. If we truly, truly believe I mean, and I know people ain't going to like this at all, but if we truly believe in the healing power of Jesus Christ and, and believe that he can transform our pain into something good and transform our lives and heal us from what has happened to us, we have to believe in the same God who can heal us, can do the same thing for the person who violated us. Yeah. I mean, and that's, we don't like to talk about that, but at the end of the day, God is crazy about all his kids. Every last one of them. And and just because I don't get along with my sibling right now, it does not mean that our father does not love both of us because we don't get along. So we have to come, we have to have a mindset. If, if, if we're believers, I recognize everybody may not be, may not believe the same thing, but if we follow Christ, we also have to believe um, that healing is available to everyone. 
and forgiveness is available to everyone who acknowledges what is going on and acknowledges what they did. But just because I forgive you, it does not mean I have to stay in relationship with you. It does not mean that I trust you. You know, that's not the same thing. I can forgive you and then disconnect and go on and live my best life, you know, and not be angry at you, not hate you, you know, hate what you did, but also recognize, also see the hand of God in what has happened. You know, any, anything. And I told this to my daughter um, yesterday because she had a nightmare or she called it a nightmare, but it was honestly, she was scared in the dream, but it wasn't a nightmare. And she, she said, mom, she was like, um, I don't know. Um, she was like, things were chasing me in this dream. And I kept trying to get people to safety. I kept trying to get people to, um, to not get attacked by what was going on, by what was chasing her. And so, um, lost my train of thought for one second. Um, okay. So I was telling her, I said, no matter, uh, we were talking about her purpose. She was like, I don't know what my purpose in life is. And I told her, I said, you know, the dream that you had is because there are things that are going to come to attack you in life. There, your, your, uh, insecurities, there are certain things that you just don't, um, you're struggling with because they're building your character. They're building you, um, for who you're going to become. So you don't understand it right now. So I said, the fact that you don't know what your purpose is in life, that doesn't matter right now. Um, there is nothing that will happen to you. There is nothing that you can do that is going to disrupt the plan of God on your life. There is nothing that you can do. Even if you have a misstep, even if you get off track, God can bring it back to where it needs to be. So your, your destiny is already written. The plan for your life is already written. So the things that you're worried about right now in this moment, it don't even matter. Yes. I want you to do good. Yes. I want you to excel, but at the end of the day, God can use your mistakes. He can use your poor choices. He can use your good decisions. He can use it all because your, your plan for your life is already written. So I just wanted to encourage anybody that has experienced any type of trauma or has done something that they are not proud of done something to offend someone else, maybe not sexually, but any, any aspect of your life, there is redemption that is available to you as well. You know, so, and I know people don't like to talk about it, but I believe that God loves everyone. I really do. He may not like what we do, but I believe that he loves everyone. That's right. That's very real. Um, as we close, and I feel like we preachers on here this summer because we said as we've closed like 50 Bring it times. To close. Listen, <laughs> make this declaration with me. Point. That I won't let pain turn my heart into something ugly. Mm. That I will show you and the world that surviving can be beautiful. That's our declaration. Jesus make that declaration for you. I will not let my pain turn my heart into something ugly, but I will show the world that surviving can be beautiful. All right, guys, as y'all saw my camera and died, it's time to go. All right. I love y'all. Peace out. Love you too. I love y'all. That'd be good. Take care. Ashley. And before y'all go, yes. thank you guys so much. That was, that was, that was.